0: Good morning, River's Edge. Sad that we couldn't be gathered together in person this morning, uh, but very excited to gather in person again next Sunday. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 6, verse 45, as we continue in our series called Witness, in which we examine what it looks like to be spirit-filled witnesses of Jesus in the world. Uh, As we near the end of our series, we want to get as practical as we can in examining what it looks like to be effective witnesses day in and day out. People who, uh, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday afternoon, know how to engage thoughtfully with the world, to share their faith with others, and to see others coming to faith over time in the process. And yet, as we step into this final segment of the series, we recognize uh, the reality that most of us don't feel like we know how to share our faith. Uh, Most of us have fears and uncertainties that hold us back from being able to do that. And hence, we have these weeks as a time of practical equipping uh, to be effective witnesses, effective missionaries, in a sense, in our culture. And so as we round out our series, We want to end by looking at what we're calling five uh, habits of highly missional people. And these are the habits that we've been discussing. First and foremost, there's prayer. And we believe that prayer comes first and that prayer happens throughout. It's the most important ingredient in being effective witnesses for Jesus in the world. But more specifically, what we've been examining in these weeks are the following. Uh, The following habits. Bless. Eat. Listen, learn, and share. Uh, And we've challenged you to adopt new habits over the last few weeks. Uh, Bless three people a week, at least one of whom does not know Jesus, just for the sake of blessing them. Uh, Listen to the Spirit for at least 20 minutes a week, and grow in the art of listening to others as well. Uh, Share a meal with three people outside of your household every week, at least one of whom doesn't know Jesus. And you can start practicing these uh, simple habits and see people encountering Jesus over time uh, through your life, through your habits and actions. But notice that all three of these habits that we've talked about so far, blessing others, listening to God and others, eating with others. Uh, these are all actually very easy to do. We have to decide to do them. We have to build those habits over time, uh, but they aren't difficult things to do, uh, and we we all know how to do them. Not all of us are gifted evangelists, to be sure, but we can all engage in these simple practices, and they've been proven over time uh, to point people to Jesus and to bring others into the kingdom of God. And so all of these habits, the, the blessing, the listening, the eating uh, with others, all of these sort of set the stage uh, very powerfully, very effectively set the stage uh, for us eventually sharing about Jesus, uh, sharing our faith in real time, face to face with other human beings. This is ultimately where the rubber meets the road. And notice uh, that while none of these habits are difficult, it's actually possible to bless others, to eat with others, uh, to listen to others, and still miss glaring opportunities to share our faith. It's possible for us to live curious lives around our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors, uh, and, and have others who are actually asking us, hey, what is the reason? For the hope that you have. And we could still, uh, in those moments, fail to rise to the challenge, fail to articulate the truth about who Jesus is and what He's done. And so this morning, I want to share some thoughts on learning, and specifically, on learning Jesus and the gospel as part of the groundwork for sharing our faith effectively, for witnessing to others. Uh, And I want to center our time this morning around uh, a simple phrase from Jesus. This is what he says in Luke 6, verse 45. He says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let's pray. Jesus, we um, just bring our hearts before you this morning, uh, each of us in our own homes or wherever we're at. Uh, we bring our hearts before you, God. We ask that you would examine our hearts and that ultimately, Uh, You would wreck and rebuild our hearts for the sake of the gospel. That we would be uh, just overwhelmed, uh, shaped by, transformed by uh, your your reckless love, um, the beauty of the gospel. Would they come to define our hearts and fill our hearts uh, so that it just becomes all the more natural for us to speak of those things and to share those things with those around us? Uh, Would you come and work in our hearts this morning? In Jesus name. Amen. One of the most important things that we can learn to do with our lives is to share the love and truth of God with those around us, especially those who don't know him. To to share Jesus himself with those who have yet uh, to inherit eternal life. Uh, But if we're honest, If I'm honest, uh, I have so many reasons why I don't want to share my faith with others. When I examine my own heart, uh, I find layers of fear and uncertainty uh, that often hold me back and I believe are holding us back from being effective witnesses in the world. Uh, We are afraid of being rejected. Uh, We're afraid that we'll say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing when that time finally comes. We are uh, afraid that we might uh, do something that would actually push people away from Jesus uh, instead of bring them to him. Uh, and and so if we're if we're honest, when those moments come, when it's time to actually uh, share who Jesus is with other people, most of us, if not all of us, have some form of a fear, hesitation, uncertainty in our hearts. Uh, we feel uh, inadequate or ill-equipped to share our faith with others. Uh, there's this massive gap. I think, in most of our lives between all of this knowledge and experience that we have about Jesus and uh, the lost people around us. And, and oftentimes we're not sure how do we bridge that gap? How do we uh, connect the two? Uh, some of us have this massive pool of knowledge, but it's almost like it's held behind a dam. And, and, and all of that knowledge and experiences pool up there, but but it's not breaking through. It's not actually a translating into the lives of others. And so we we struggle to figure out how do I bridge that gap? How do I translate this massive body of of knowledge and experience into a language that's actually going to make sense to the people around me? That's actually going to meet them where they're at and speak to their Felt needs, to, to my family members who don't know Jesus, to my friends, to my co-workers, uh, to whoever it is that God is leading us to share with. Uh, and one of the keys, I believe, in bridging that gap, in a translating Jesus into the lives of others, is what's called gospel fluency. Uh, and gospel fluency is the learned ability to apply the gospel to the everyday stuff of life. Uh, and if you want to learn more about this concept, I'd highly recommend Jeff Vanderstelt's book, book, uh, Gospel Fluency. Uh, I, read, I read that book uh, for the first time this week, and it rocked my world. Uh, but the point uh, that Jeff makes in this book is that the gospel is like a foreign language. Uh, it's a foreign language that we often uh, struggle to learn. We struggle to learn that language, to master that language, uh, and as a result, we struggle to apply Jesus and the goodness of the gospel to the stuff of everyday life. Uh, we we struggle to bridge that gap and and translate him into our everyday activities. Uh, and and Then, in in addition to that, we often can walk around with sort of a shallow or one-dimensional version of the gospel. And uh, that only adds to our struggle. How do I apply the gospel to my life today, to my neighbor's life uh, this afternoon? We can struggle in these areas. Uh, And as a result, because we aren't gospel fluent, then we struggle to share him with others. Uh, we, we struggle to translate or to speak that language uh, to those around us in a way that's natural, in a way that is conversational. Uh, because after all, in the words of Jesus, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the first thing that we need to do in, in mastering this new language uh, in becoming fluent speakers of the gospel, is that we need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. And, and what this entails, preaching the gospel to ourselves, means that we immerse ourselves in scripture, uh, we immerse ourselves in the gospel accounts that speak of the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and we learn Jesus. Uh, we learn uh, and and begin to understand here's what Jesus would do in this situation. Here's what Jesus would say in this conversation that I'm having right now. We begin to learn Jesus, and just as importantly, perhaps more importantly, we're actually learning to apply uh, the truth of the gospel to our own lives. We allow the truth of the gospel to transform us over time, to fill us up with the good things of God. Uh, We work work out uh, our salvation uh, with fear and trembling. We allow the truth of God to begin to permeate every area of our lives. Because at the end of the day, we will speak about the things that we love. And we will speak about what our heart is full of. And when it comes to uh, mastering this art, when it comes to applying the gospel first and foremost to our own lives, uh, there's a set of questions that I want to share with you that have been very helpful for me personally in in applying the gospel to my own life and sort of working out my salvation uh, with fear and trembling, to use the language of Scripture. Uh, these are questions that have challenged me and helped. Uh, transform me in light of who God is. And these are the questions. Question number one, who is God? And and we form a concept, hopefully a true and accurate concept of who God is, uh, and, and we grow in our understanding, number two then, of what God has done. From there, we're asking the question, who am I in light of these things? And finally, we get to question four, how should I live? And they go in this order as, as every human being, in a sense, has to answer these questions. And it deeply, deeply shapes who you are and how you live. It's our belief in God. It's our faith in God that then shapes every other aspect of our lives. It's what I believe about God and what I believe about myself that then um, creates the life that I lead. It it generates my thoughts, my feelings, my actions. Everything flows out of those beliefs. Uh, They give rise to our behavior, including our sinful behavior. Think about this. All sin is the result of unbelief. That's shocking, but I believe that's true. All sin is the result of unbelief. All of it. And so as part of becoming uh, gospel fluent, uh, we're we're learning to recognize and apply uh, the gospel to our own lives, to our own sin, to our own emotions. Uh, Let me give you an example. And I'd encourage you to do this exercise uh, in the coming week. Uh, but what you can do in applying the gospel to your own life, which is the first step in in sort of growing in gospel fluency, or applying the gospel to our own lives, what you can do is you can take those four questions and you can flip them upside down. And I tried it this week, and it was um, very challenging and honestly very painful, uh, but beautiful at the same time. So you can flip those four questions upside down, uh, and and start, this is what I did this week, I started by paying attention uh, to my actions, my thoughts, my emotions. And here are some of the things that I noticed. Who, what, am I, what am I doing, believing, feeling? Well, some of the things that I saw in myself this week were fear, uh, a desire for control, anger, shame, frustration. Not all the time, but those things were surfacing throughout the week. And so I look at those things and say, okay, that fruit that I'm bearing in my life, that's not of God. So then I move deeper and ask the next question, who am I? Or more specifically, what am I believing about myself in this moment today? What do I believe about myself? Well, if I'm honest, I'm believing that I need to be in control. I'm believing that I need to try harder That I need to punish myself or others for past sin. uh, That I've been irreversibly damaged by past sin or negative thinking. uh, That I lack the righteousness of Christ. Uh, Those are actually the underlying beliefs that gave rise to to my emotions. So then I ask the next question, what has God done? Well, functionally, what I'm believing in those moments is that He hasn't given me His righteousness. He hasn't redeemed the past. He hasn't healed me. He hasn't fully atoned for sin. Well, if that's what I'm believing in the moment, then what am I believing in the moment about who God is? Well, functionally, what I'm believing is that God is weaker than my sin, that God is unloving, that He's not gracious, that God isn't great, that he isn't enthroned over my circumstances; that he isn't present. Uh, that's that's what I'm believing, in the moment, functionally. And man, this was a difficult week for me. I spent hours just wrestling through this stuff, uh, and in prayer before God, and realizing uh, ultimately that I see these emotions, either either sinful actions or negative emotions, or fruit that's just not of God in my life. But then the challenge is not just to address the fruit, but to go deeper, sort of into the tree, down into the roots and saying, where is this coming from? Well, this is actually generated by my faulty belief, by my faulty thinking about who God is and who I am. So on the surface, I'm seeing shame, anger, frustration, pride, despair, a desire for control. Then I say, okay, in this moment I'm going to slow down and I'm going to invite the holy spirit into that. The holy spirit continue to convict me, not just of the fruit that's that this negative fruit in my life, but convict me of the deeper things. Holy spirit help me to see what is it that I'm actually believing about God, about myself that's leading to these things, and you realize—I was realizing this week—in these moments, my goodness, I don't fully believe. I don't fully believe God and who He says He is. I don't fully believe the gospel. I'm not fully trusting in God's word and in God's works. Um, I I need more work to happen in my own heart. I need to apply the gospel uh, to myself. So I start. By doing the exact thing that Jesus has always called us to, done, he's, to do. He says, repent and believe. So I was doing that this week. You go into this process of, of repenting. I'm not going after my behavior. There's, it's no use going after behavior and just saying, hey, don't be scared. Don't be shameful. Don't be addicted. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. It, it doesn't work to just go after the fruit. Uh, what we need instead is to dig deeper and repent of the sin beneath the sin. Between our surface level sins, there's a deeper sin of unbelief in that moment. And so we're, we're digging deeper and getting after the deeper things. Uh, Jesus says it this way. He says, The work of God is to believe in the one that he sent. That, that's our call. That's our work. That's what we're to do. We don't go out and earn our own righteousness. Our work is to believe in the one that he sent. And brothers and sisters, this is work. It, it's true work to do in our lives. And, and so this is sort of the, the step one, the foundation for go, growing in gospel fluency is that we're applying the gospel to our own lives, digging beneath the surface and figuring out uh, how the gospel applies. So I'm repenting of my sin, not just surface level sin, which is what we love to do. Instead, I'm digging deeper than that, repenting of the sin beneath the sin, which is unbelief. So I'm, I'm repenting of that unbelief, I'm repenting of the false things I believe about God, of the false things I believe about myself, and then as I'm digging down, repenting of the fruit, digging deeper, sort of repenting of the tree and the roots that gave birth to that fruit, then eventually I reach the bottom, I'm repenting my way down, but then we reverse those questions and and begin working from the ground back up again. So after the repentance process and digging down and finding that unbelief, I'm repenting of it. I'm asking God to renew my mind and then I'm placing my faith in the truth. We start with that first question again, who is God? And begin building up again. So I say, God, I believe that you're great. I believe that you're present. I believe that you're good. I believe you're a healer. I believe that you are more powerful than my sin or anyone else's sin. Well, how do I know? Well, because of what you've done. Because you died for me. Because you've given me your righteousness. It's from you, Lord. It was the only way. And God, I believe that you've cleansed me, that you've forgiven me, that you've adopted me, that I'm justified in Christ, that I'm a redeemed son of God. That's who I am in light of what you've done. And and then out of that belief, out of correct belief about God and about myself, it, it then leads to a whole different set of emotions and actions and experiences. I experience joy and peace and rest and holiness, and on it goes. So that's a snapshot using those four questions as a tool for how we can apply the gospel to our own lives. We apply it to ourselves. I like to use those questions. I find them incredibly helpful. Uh, But the point is that we're making active connections in our lives between the gospel, which can sometimes feel abstract, and our finances, between the gospel and our sex lives, between the gospel and our anger, between the gospel and our anxiety, our insecurity, our inadequacy, our sin, our broken family relationships, whatever it is in life, in the everyday stuff of life that we face, we're learning to see, ah, here's the connection between the gospel and what I'm facing in this moment, uh, in between my desire to control and manipulate others. Wait, let's stop. Why do I want to do that? Let's examine those four questions. Let's apply the gospel to my life. So we're growing in our gospel fluency by applying the gospel to our own lives, experiencing transformation in God along the way. And then we move from there to the community of God, We begin learning how to apply the gospel in the lives of alongside uh, our spouses. If you're married or our roommates uh, or our friends who know Jesus and follow Jesus uh, or our missional communities or the gathered community on a Sunday or people that we're walking in tight knit uh, discipleship relationships with. We're learning to apply the gospel in those arenas we're learning to see the connection between the gospel and who jesus is and every area of life and as we're doing that we're growing in our gospel fluency we're growing in our ability to speak that foreign language and apply it conversationally in the day-to-day stuff of life uh, this is one of the habits of highly missional people of effective witnesses in the world so to recap we grow in gospel fluency by first and foremost reading the gospel accounts regularly we're reading all of scripture but specifically the gospels i would encourage you to read something from the gospels once a week Uh, and that's part of this process of learning jesus We're learning Jesus, we're learning the gospel inside and out. Understanding what Jesus would do or say, how he would act in any given situation. Uh, Understanding who he is and what he's done and and why that matters to this moment uh, that we're living. That's number one. Number two, coming out of that, we preach the gospel in its fullness uh, to ourselves and eventually to others. Uh, We grow in our gospel fluency and being able to speak the love and grace and truth of God uh, over someone's anxiety, over their financial concerns, uh, over their addiction, over uh, maybe what's going uh, wrong uh, in in sort of the, the, the sexual sin that they're dealing with. Whatever it is in their anger it could go on and on their desire to control and manipulate we're learning to see the connection between the gospel uh, and the stuff in our own lives the stuff in uh, the lives of people following jesus around us think about how you learn a new language you learn a language by being immersed in that culture if i want to learn spanish the best way to do it is to go to a spanish-speaking country leave english behind and just learn how to speak that language Uh, that's where fluency happens, when we're immersed in in a gospel-soaked, gospel-centered culture. We can't just hear it from the front. It's not enough to hear someone else preach the gospel to us. We have to know it. We have to internalize it. We have to learn to speak it over ourselves and others. We love it, soak in it, apply it, rejoice uh, in it, and preach it to one another. We learn, eventually, to speak Uh, and dream and think in this new language. Applying it to every area of life. And finally, we share. Uh, We listen for opportunities to share the gospel in relevant ways, conversationally, with other people who don't know Jesus. And we're ready to do this because we ourselves are growing in our fluency. If the only uh, gospel or the only aspect of the gospel that we understand is that Jesus forgives us for our sin, then we can't do much with that. It's powerful, it's true, but we can't do a lot with that conversationally. Uh, Think about those of you who have gone on a short-term mission trip uh, to Mexico or something like that. And what you do is you would study the language beforehand. In the weeks leading up, you might learn a few phrases like, uh, hola and como estas and uh, donde esta el baño and, and you learn these phrases and then you head down there and you start interacting with people but as you do the people in Mexico figure out pretty quickly that you aren't fluent in that language you might know the first line of a conversation and the second but you're stunted in that language uh, they realize really quickly oh you're not conversational uh, you're, you're not fluent and and the sad thing is that sometimes we do the same thing with the gospel. We just take one aspect of the gospel and run off into the culture, uh, but but w- we aren't fluent. We, we hit a ceiling. You can only get so far by saying, how are you and where is the bathroom? Like Eventually, you hit a ceiling. You can't go any further conversationally. You can't engage with someone in a meaningful way. You aren't fluent. And that can happen with the gospel, as well, we can, we can come to this place where we want to share, but we aren't fluent. Uh, the, the gospel has to become a conversational thing that we can apply naturally in the moment. Uh, one of our neighbors, as an example, uh, just uh, recently uh, lost his mom. His dad had died a few years ago, and then his mom died. Uh, and he's on disability, he's living alone in the house, and he has these fears. Uh, he's, he has fears about death, uh, about his own death, which he feels is, is coming. Uh, he has fears about finances and provision. And uh, if I don't know how to speak the gospel fluently into his situation, then it won't be helpful for him because his felt need in this moment is not for forgiveness of sin if he even knows what that is or why he would need forgiveness, what he actually needs in this moment is someone who's conquered death. What he needs in this moment uh, is a father who won't die, who loves him, who is near, who promises to provide for him. But if I'm not gospel fluent, If I'm not listening to him, if I don't see what's actually happening in his life, then I miss the opportunity to share Jesus with him. I miss the opportunity to to give him Jesus as the very real felt uh, solution to his felt need. Can I recognize his need? Am I listening to my neighbor? Can I speak the gospel fluently, conversationally into his felt need? One of our other neighbors at the moment uh, is struggling with cancer. Who recently was diagnosed with that, uh, and, and the neighbor next to him uh, is ninety, uh, and and ninety years old. She doesn't have a lot of years left to live. And our neighbor on the other side uh, lives alone, uh, and and is beginning to age and is wrestling constantly with loneliness, being cooped up in the house all by herself. And and as uh, we grow in relationship with our neighbors, they begin to pour out their heart to us uh, about the loss of a loved one, about cancer, about reaching the end of their life, about the, uh, the, the the devastating loneliness that they're wrestling with on a day-to-day basis. And if the only thing that I have to say it in return is don't worry, Jesus forgives you of your sin, that that that's not helpful to them. Donde está el baño? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not actually speaking into their felt need. I'm not actually engaging in conversation with them. What they need right now is someone who has conquered death. What they need right now is is someone who promises a resurrection body uh, that, that is immune to disease and cancer and death and eternal life on the other side of a life-threatening illness. Uh, what they need right now is someone. who who they know is going to be with them through every moment in every stage of life, who will never leave them, who will never forsake them. And so the question is for me and my wife and our family, are we going to be gospel fluent? Can we recognize the way that Jesus is good news to them right now in the midst of what they're dealing with? If I'm not speaking fluently, then I'm gonna miss those opportunities. I'm gonna speak a Jesus uh, into a need that they aren't feeling. I'm gonna be answering questions that they're not asking. And so instead, we bless those around us, we eat with those around us, we grow in relationship with those around us, we listen to those around us, and as we're listening, the Spirit is going to stir in us moments where we can be gospel fluent. We listen, and we listen, and we listen, and we discern, Holy Spirit, what do they need right now? Where do they need to hear the good news of Jesus? How is Jesus good news to them right now in the midst of what they're going through? If we can do that, moment by moment, day by day, we will be spirit-empowered witnesses of Jesus in the world. We will speak the truth of Jesus to the reality of the circumstances around us. And we will see people come to know, uh, come to a saving faith, to a saving knowledge of Jesus along the way. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, surrender our hearts to you this morning. And God, we come confessing I come confessing my heart that I long to share you with other people, that I long to see your kingdom come, that I long to see people come to a saving faith, to a saving knowledge of who you are. Uh, And I see these people around us. We all have these people around us. Uh, And Lord, honestly, most of us have eyes to see. We see the lost. We have this giant body of knowledge of who you are and experience of who you are in the world. And yet we don't know how to make the connection. And you said, Jesus, in the power of your spirit, that we would be your witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That we would speak about you in a way that's effective, in a way that's meaningful, in a way that that plants seeds, in a way that wakes people up to your rule and reign in the world. And so we surrender our hearts to you, Lord. We surrender our fears Many of us, even right now in this moment, could just begin writing out and journaling fears. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's why I don't want to share Jesus Uh, because of my reputation, because of my fear of others, because of whatever it is. We could begin journaling those things out. Lord, we just submit those things to you. God, we want to be people who are formed and shaped holistically by your love, by your gospel and who are empowered witnesses in the world, who can engage in conversation naturally with the people around us, and in the power of the Spirit, just begin hearing, ah, here's, here's, here's the intersection. Here's how to translate this into your language. Here's how Jesus is really good news for you right now, today. And so God, would we be people who um, grow in this art, who don't have a one-dimensional gospel, who don't have Uh, hearts that aren't full of you, but instead are fluent in this language, who are fluent in, in the beauty of who you are and are able to apply you to our lives, to the lives of the disciples around us, and to the lives of those who don't know you. God, may many people come to know you and participate in eternity with you because we're willing to master this art. That's worth our lives, God. It's worth us dying to ourselves and picking up our cross. That one person would be with you for eternity. That's worth our lives. May we submit everything to you. And would you come and shape and heal and ultimately fill us with your love for the lost people around us. Give us courage, Lord. Give us boldness. In Jesus' name. Amen.